Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Mark 13, verses 24 to 31, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Mark. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Mark, chapter 13, verses 24 to 31. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. This is the word of the Lord. This part of our Lord's prophecy on the Mount of Olives is entirely unfulfilled. The events described in it are all yet to take place. They may possibly take place in our own day. The passage, therefore, is one which ought always to be read with peculiar interest. Let us observe in the first place what solemn majesty will attend our Lord Jesus Christ's second coming to this world. The language that is used about the sun, moon, and stars conveys the idea of some universal convulsion of the universe at the close of the present dispensation. It reminds us of the Apostle Peter's words, The heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. 2 Peter 3.10 At such a time as this, amid terror and confusion, exceeding all that even earthquakes or hurricanes are known to produce, men shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. The second coming of Christ shall be utterly unlike the first. He came the first time in weakness, a tender infant, born of a poor woman in the manger at Bethlehem, unnoticed, unhonored, and scarcely known. He shall come the second time in royal dignity with the armies of heaven around him to be known, recognized, and feared by all the tribes of the earth. He came the first time to suffer, to bear our sins, to be reckoned a curse, to be despised, rejected, unjustly condemned, and slain, he shall come a second time to reign, to put down every enemy beneath his feet, to take the kingdom of this world for its inheritance, to rule them with righteousness, to judge all men, and to live forevermore. How vast the difference! How mighty the contrast! How startling the comparison between the first and second advent! How solemn the thoughts of the subject ought to stir up in our minds. Here are comforting thoughts for Christ's friends. Their own king will soon be here. They shall reap according as they have sown. They shall receive a rich reward for all they have endured for Christ's sake. They shall exchange their cross for a crown. Here are confounding thoughts for Christ's foes. That same Jesus of Nazareth, whom they have so long despised and rejected, shall at length have the preeminence. That very Christ, whose gospel they have refused to believe, shall appear as their judge, and hopeless, helpless, and speechless, 
they will have to stand before His bar. May we all lay these things to heart and learn wisdom. Let us observe in the next place that the first event after our Lord's second coming shall be the gathering of His elect. He shall send His angels and gather together His elect from the four winds. The safety of the Lord's people shall be provided for when judgment falls upon the earth. He will do nothing until he has placed them beyond the reach of harm. The flood did not begin until Noah was safe in the ark. The fire did not fall on Sodom until Lot was safe within the walls of Zoar. The wrath of God on believers shall not be let loose until the believers are hidden and secure. The true Christian may look forward to the advent of Christ without fear. However dreadful the things that shall come upon the earth, his master will take care that no harm comes to him. He may well bear patiently the partings and separations of this present time. He shall have a joyful meeting by and by with all his brethren in the faith of every age and country and people and tongue. Those who meet in that day shall meet to part no more. The great gathering is yet to come. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 1 Let us observe in the next place how important it is to note the signs of our own times. Our Lord bids his disciples learn a parable from the fig tree. Just as its budding leaves tell men that summer is near, so the fulfillment of events in the world around us to teach us that the Lord's coming is near, even at the door. It becomes all true Christians to observe carefully the public events of their own day. It is not only a duty to do this, but a sin to neglect it. Our Lord reproved the Jews for not discerning the signs of the times, Matthew 16.3. They did not see that the scepter was passing away from Judah and the weeks of Daniel running out. Let us beware of falling into their error. Let us rather open our eyes and look at the world around us. Let us mark the drying up of the Turkish power and the increase of missionary work in the world. Let us mark the revival of popery and the rise of new and subtle forms of infidelity. Let us mark the rapid spread of lawlessness and the contempt for authority. What are these things but the budding of the fig tree? They show us that this world is wearing out and needs a new and better dynasty. It needs its rightful king, even Jesus. May we watch and keep our garments and live ready to meet our Lord. Revelation 16.15 Let us observe, lastly, in these verses, how carefully our Lord asserts the certainty of his predictions being fulfilled. He speaks as though he foresaw the incredulity and skepticism of these latter days. He warns us emphatically against it. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We ought never to allow ourselves to suppose that any prophecy is improbable or unlikely to be fulfilled merely because it is contrary to past experience. Let us not say... Where is the likelihood of Christ's coming again? Where is the likelihood of the world being burned up? We have nothing to do with likely or unlikely in such matters. The only question is, what is written in God's word? The words of Peter should never be forgotten. Quote, there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? 2 Peter 3, 3-4 we shall do well to ask ourselves what we would have thought if we had lived on earth 2,000 years ago. Would we have thought it more probable that the Son of God would come to earth as a poor man and die, or that he would come on earth as a king and reign? Would we not have said at once that if he came at all, 
he would have come to reign and not to die. Yet we know that he did not come as a man of sorrows and died on the cross. Then let us not doubt that he will come the second time in glory and reign as a king forevermore. Let us leave the passage with a thorough conviction of the truth of every jot of its predictions. Let us believe that every word of it shall prove at last to have been fully accomplished. Above all, let us strive to live under an abiding sense of its truth, like good servants ready to meet their master. Then, whatever the fulfillment of it, or however soon, we shall be safe. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. In considering what we have just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? Does hearing of Christ's second coming give us comfort, or does it confound us? Second, Do we long for the return of Christ? Are we those whom Hebrews describes as those who are eagerly waiting for him? Third, are we ignorant of the things going on around us, or do we pay attention to the happenings in our worlds? Fourth, do we read words like this and dismiss them, thinking that it's been a long time and that it likely will not happen in our day, or do we live as if that day could be in our lifetime?